Forrest Wheeler, brother. Yeah. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Not much, you know, just just grinding. Grinding? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Coming out from Culver City. I appreciate you coming out today. Yeah, no problem, man. This place is, is beautiful. It's right under a bridge. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks can be deceiving, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, dude, let's let's get right into it, dude. What's kind of like uh are the levels good for you? Your yeah. volume and stuff like that? Okay, Feels cool. Good. Um what what was your like your stand up journey? Because like I said, I don't really know much about you. I we met recently, like last week. Yeah, and uh, outside yeah. the comedy store. Yeah, after, after a tough set. Yeah, I'm uh, my comedy journey started during the pandemic. I mean, I did it actually. I did it a little bit before that. I worked at Funny or Die right out of college. Oh, nice. And uh, I did one mic there uh, with a friend, and I liked it, but I wasn't really thinking anything of it. And then. I was dating a girl at the time and it was a very like toxic thing. And it was like every time that we would break up, I would go do like one or two mics and then come back to it. And she never wanted me to do comedy. She was like, comedy's full of sluts and whores. And so you can't do comedy because they're going to want. And it's like, you know, now that I do it all the time, I'm like, where are the whores? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> where are they? That's what I was to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, and so then. Her and I split in February of 2020, like right before the pandemic, oh, wow. like right before. And then it was like eight months in the pandemic and I had a back surgery and I had a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, I had like a real serious back surgery during the pandemic. Tell me about that real quick. Uh, I was driving to a friend's place where oh. he was having a mic and I it was raining and I just took this turn way too quick and ended up like skidding off. Uh, this I realized like the back the back wheels of my car like went the wrong way and I was like I either turn into it and then I'm spinning or I turn left and I'm going over the median towards a wall but at least I have control of like all the wheels mm -hmm. so I turn left I jump the median I slam the brakes and I like get right up to the wall but don't hit it but I st I felt something in my back like smash and I was like that's going to be a problem. Like right when it happened, I knew Damn, it would be a dude. problem. And uh, yeah, cops came and I was blocking a freeway entrance and it was it was bad. But a guy, random guy in his house, like helped me out and was like, get a." He's like, call a lift now, because if you have a ride, the cops won't take you anywhere. And he's like, because he's like, if you're here, the cops can like take you in for questioning or for any kind of like, what? Yeah. They're like, or they, or maybe they'll call you a ride or whatever. And he's like, you just don't want to deal with that. He's like, trust me, you don't want to deal with that. No just, kidding. Dude. Just call a lift now. And so I did. And when the cops showed up, like, you know, five minutes later after the cops were there, my lift showed up and I was like, I got to go. And they were like, okay, we'll have it towed. And like, they didn't really no follow up, no anything. So that was good. I hadn't been drinking or anything, but it was just like. It was a bad look, you know? Yeah. And that was actually on my way to a mic, so that's kind of funny. But I, and then like I had the surgery and I was recovering, and it was October, October of 2020 when I was like, all right, I'm going to start. I need to find something. I need something, some kind of outlet that's not working from home and it's not just sitting mm -hmm. in my apartment. And so I went and fi found uh, Outdoor Mike's Saad uh, Aressa, I think his last name is, but mm -hmm. he had a mic called On Deck that I really liked in his backyard and I would go there and I would go to fourth walls and I would go to wherever people were having mics just to honestly get out and do something. Right. And uh, I think the other thing for me is that I I grew up wanting to be a, uh, a novelist. Like I wanted to write books and wow. I wanted to write short stories and that was like always my like love. And 
you know, it would take a long time. Like I would write short stories over months or I would write books over months and then you send them in and you get a bunch of notes back and it's just like, man, I worked on this for months and I don't know if it's good or not. And comedy for me was like, I could write something today, take it out tonight and find out if it's good or not. Oh, you're good, you're good. And that, and that, and that helped me like a lot to just be able to be like, yeah, it's just, it's a, such a great outlet for writing. Writing's always been like my number one passion and it's like, it it's a way better outlet to be able to know that night if what you wrote was good or bad or and, and work on it a lot quicker. So that helped me a lot. And then from there, I just, you know, started doing shows, started making connections with people uh, in the comedy game, started living with comedians and got really ingrained into this comedy life, you know, and now it's still, it's still definitely a grind. It's still definitely like you're trying to figure out your niche and your, I think, you know, I tell people who, who start that like when you're getting started, you're literally just make it through the five minutes. Don't even worry about laughs. Don't even worry about just, can you talk for five minutes? And then once you get decent and you have some stage presence, I think now you have to decide what kind of comedian you want to be and what you really want to talk about. And that's kind of still where I'm at is really figuring out what I want to talk about and how I want to be as a comic, how I want to be known because I think, you know, when I started, I definitely was taking the easy route where it's like, I'm going to talk about race. I'm going to talk about women. I'm going to talk about Hitler. And you think like, nobody's done this before, <laughs> but it's like, everybody's done that before. Right. Um, so how do you kind of like, right now where you're at, how do you kind of uh, figure out what, what someone hasn't said before or talked about before? Or are you just kind of testing the waters and talking about what you want to talk about? Yeah, for me, it's it's topical, right? It's like what's going on now. That's what I think is interesting. I think there's two routes to go. Uh, you can either talk about your personal experience and like things that have happened to you or, or weird stuff that you grew up with or whatever, your story, because you know that nobody's told that before and that'll be unique. Or you can look at what's going on in the world and try to think about you know, something that's new or something that's happening now Obviously, nobody's touched on it before because it just started happening now. So right. it's like those, I think, are the two main options. And I don't find my personal life story that interesting. I mean, it's it's whatever. It's like I had a pretty good childhood. I, you know, I, I describe it as like I had a good, I had a, everything really good and then I messed it up. And that's like that's the whole summary, I feel like. What do you feel like you messed up? Um. I left Funny or Die early for money. I left a, a job I was passionate about for money. And so that I think I messed up there. And I spent a lot of time, you know, hiding myself and hiding who I was from people because I was afraid of it and just not being honest. And so it's like it, it, that just feels like a mess. And I think I'll have to untangle that mess to get better at stand up and just be more successful. And that's, again, somewhere that stand up helps is like, you have to be honest. If you're not yourself up there, people can tell. And I think people are getting sick of that. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think people are getting sick of like someone who goes on stage and is clearly a character, is clearly like, this is not them. This is them being some goofy or zany character. Mm -hmm. I think people are kind of over that. I, I don't know if that's true, but I think people want people who are genuine and people who are being themselves when they're on stage. And so that's what I'm trying to trying to be more of and... Yeah, talk more about the world because we're living in a weird time, man. We're living in a place where, yeah, things are uh, bad 
and people don't want to acknowledge that and they just want to be like, no, I'm going to be fine. You know? And it's like, that's the thing that we were talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think I have a nugget of that right now that we were already talking about that is like, you know, I, I do a bit now where I'm like, you know, how do you feel about the world next 20 years and everybody's thumbs down? And how do you feel about the country next 20 years and everybody's thumbs down? And then I point at one person and say, how do you feel about your individual life the next 20 years? And they're thumbs up every time. And it's like that disconnect between our individual point of view and our collective point of view is a problem. Right. Especially when it's like <clears throat> we're it seems like nowadays on social media, we're always trying to push, like, let's help the world. Let's help the world. You know yeah. what I mean? And But it, it's a gr- crazy juxtaposition where they say that on the social media, but when you ask them that question on stage, everyone's like, no, we're going down. Like, exactly. So yeah. Th- that's And I, I appreciate you talking about that, dude, because it takes someone with a lot of bravery, you know what I mean, to talk to talk about that, especially right now, like with what you said, with what all the things that are going on and how the disconnect with people. Exactly. And it's, and it's I think it's an important thing to at least acknowledge that, like, we are uh, we have a cognitive dissonance as a society that's like troubling, right? And it's like I don't have the solutions. I think that's that's also a comedian you don't want to listen to. The guy who comes up, you know what I mean? That's very true. The guy who goes up there and is like, I have the solutions to all of the world's problems. Like right. you don't want to listen to that guy either. Um, but I think the the point of comedy and the point of like storytelling. I think people miss it sometimes. I think people think the point of reading a book is to have it teach you something, right? But that's not the point of a book. The point of a book is to make you ask questions, to make you question things, to bring up things that you hadn't thought about before that now you can ponder yourself in a different view or to relate to a character in a way and then how they handle something maybe makes you rethink how you're handling something. But it's not to fix your issue. It's to to bring up questions. And I think that's a disconnect with art right a little bit that people think... Yeah, people look to artists to answer their problems. And it's like, that's not what art is for. Art is to make you question. That's so interesting, dude. I've never, like, looked at reading like that before. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I, I feel, at least, is like storytelling is you want to make people question things. You want to make people go, huh, that is a good point. And maybe they ponder it later, and maybe they come up with something, some way to apply it for their own lives or for whatever. But, like, if they don't, that's not the point. The point was just to ma- just to bring it up. And it's the same way as like pointing out any kind of like inconsistency in comedy. Like another easy joke is just like, you know, uh, I don't like when people call me and tell me they almost got in a car accident because it's like it sounds like we almost needed to have this conversation. But it's like even that, right, is just like pointing out that like, hey, that is weird when people call you when they om- when something almost happened to them instead of something actually happening to them. And that might make people pon- like think about it mm-hmm. and just be like, huh, why do people do that? But it's not to answer the question and to say like, you know, you know what you should do? Like that's a different point. And it's like, I don't think that's what people want to hear. And I don't think that's what people should be looking for. Like they shouldn't look for an answer. Mm-hmm. You should look for questions. Let me uh, check again if we're rolling because I, I have PTSD with this. Okay, we're good. <laughs> um, that's interesting that you say that. And so what made you kind of want to go the novelist route? I mean, obviously, with that being said, you were probably a huge reader growing up. Yeah. Um, but what was kind of like the, the point where you wanted to kind of go into that? Uh, Mark Twain, who I think gets a, a bad rep because his books have the N-word in them, which is, <laughs> you know, problematic, but... Uh, it was, the eight, it was the it was the eighteen sixties guys. I don't know what you want, um, but it's like, 
there's, but yeah, and he was a uh, social satirist. You know, he mm-hmm. he was making satire of uh, everything that was going on at the time and political satire. And I think reading a collection, his short stories, Kurt Vonnegut's short stories, um, stuff like that. Agatha Christie was a big one for yeah, me. Yeah, like yeah. I was, that was probably the start of it. Right. And like the these people question make you question things about society or see things in in the world in a different way. And I was like, man, that's so cool to be able to like express a story and make something bigger than. What is real? I think the other thing for me about like why I wanted to write books, I've always been disappointed that there's no magic. You know, like when I was young, I literally thought adults had magic powers. Mm. I thought when you became 18, you were able to read minds because mm. my mom always knew what I was thinking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My mom always knew what I was doing and what I was thinking. And I was like, OK, so I guess when you become 18, you're able to read minds. You get powers. <laughs> and I'm like still upset that you don't. Like I'm still <laughs> mad. And like even like little things like, you know, Santa Claus. I'm still upset Santa Claus is not real. Like that is upsetting. How I, old th- were you when you found out? I was uh, about 12 when I found out that Santa Claus Damn, wasn't real. 12? Dude, my parents did a good job. <laughs> my parents did a good job. I mean, well done. Honestly, hats off to them. They they really kept it under wraps in, a, in our house. And I think that's, you know, maybe that adds to it too. That it's like I didn't think... Yeah, I thought it I thought it would all be real. And I think that's where my love of storytelling comes from is that like you can make the magic real. You can make uh things happen in stories that don't happen in real life. But if you read a book and you read something that doesn't happen in real life and then you're like that's the answer. You're missing the point. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're looking for yeah, you're looking for an answer and it's not uh that's not what this is for. That's not what books are for. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I, I liked the political satire. I always liked I, my first like story that I wrote was I was like maybe seven or eight. And I wrote a little story about uh, George Bush and Osama bin Laden arguing over a purple <laughs> pair of pants. It's a real story. It was a real, that, kidding, and that's like man. what the Iraq war was about. <laughs> In my eight-year-old mind, was like they just—they both want these purple pants, and <laughs> you still have it. Yeah, I still have that. My parents saved like all. Of, yeah, my parents have saved like all of my early writings. And stuff. dude, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, and so I think you know, from a really young age, I wanted to be a, like a someone who comments on political stuff or like the way of the world and how silly it is and how mm-hmm. absurd it is. And I think that's where my best comedy comes from is when I'm pointing out hey, this is really weird that we do this. Or like the way that we are right now is really weird, huh? And I think that's that's where I'm at. That's that's what I think the focus should be. Well, I think you're approaching it the right way, especially with your history of being able to read and how you think about reading. You know what I mean? And uh, now it makes sense why you're such a good writer when it comes to jokes, dude, because I've, I've seen you in some of the roast battles and comic wars and then uh, saw some of your reels and dude your writing is, is top notch. and dude the thing is with especially the comic wars you remember all your jokes dude yeah yeah that's I mean, crazy i think that's an important that's an important part to me like i i want to be the performance is an important part like i've always been a ham you know like i used to play uh catcher in baseball and i would always ham it up you know i would always like make it really dramatic if a ball was way off or like if someone came at the plate even if they yeah. like barely touched me i would like fall <laughs> backwards and like lift the glove and be like i caught it you know, I think I've always been a bit of an entertainer and a bit of a ham. And so the performance part of it is important to me on top of the the writing part of it. And I think that if I'm honest, I think that's the part that I worry about most is like, am I going to be entertaining as a performer? 
I think the writing is there, but it's like, am I fun to watch? Hmm. And I think that'll come with, with more time. Honestly, I'll get better at that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's see what you said something. Else. What is it? What is it like living with comics? Oh man, it can be fun. It's, it's fun. Um, and it, it keeps your comedy brain working for sure. Cause it's like you wake up in the morning and your roommates are writing. So it's like you start writing, uh, that you're always pitching jokes back and forth. You're always like, Hey, I thought of this today. Or like, I have this. And like, you're just working that muscle a lot more when you live with comics, but also it can feel like there's no break. Right. And eventually, mm. eventually you do need a break from just like it being your entire life. And so like, but then if you're going to live alone as a comedian or you're going to live with someone who's not a comic, you're forced to push yourself more. Yeah. Now you have to push yourself to write more and right. to like uh, toss jokes back and forth because it's not in your house anymore. So it's a, it's a, it's difficult either way. You know, I live with a virgin and a lesbian that shared a room <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great, it was a great, you know, little Gen Z, uh, <laughs> little Gen Z, uh, match where yeah i had the one bedroom and then the other one in the two bedroom they shared it and split it like a nickelodeon show you know? yeah miranda and jp miranda and jp <laughs> i guessed it dude. yep yep it's miranda just by the JP. two uh the virgin and the uh and the lesbian, lesbian. yeah <laughs> yep and uh that must have been fun though miranda's it was crazy. a ton of fun miranda's yeah. awesome and like her and i were not close when she moved in mm. like we didn't really know each other and we became so much closer and realized that you know, Miranda and I realize we have similar hearts. We we feel uh, similarly in relationships and romantically we feel like we're the same kind of person in relationships and like with romantic relationships. No kidding. Yeah. And that like and that helped us bond and like get way closer because it was like, yeah, we feel for each other and we know how um, the other person's heart works. You know, That's she's got a she's got a big heart. But, you know, something, something her and I have said is like people with a big heart a lot of times are the easy target. It means it's easy to hit it. Mm-hmm. It means it's means you're sensitive. Yeah. It means like it, they, someone can say something offhand and it hits you right in the heart. Yeah. And that's because you got a big heart and it's easy for something to knock it around. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm happy I live with them. And then I live with Effie Meadows and she's nice. a great comic too. And great I mean, comic, dude. Yeah. Great Effie's comic. a killer, man. Dude, her fucking roasting is... Top notch, top dude. notch, and she's she's amazing at roasting, and she's a great uh, writer too. Whenever she comes up with like new stuff, I'm always like, that's such a unique angle and such a unique perspective. So people need to hear more of Effie for sure. I know, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. She is probably one of my favorites right yeah. now, dude. Just in in our kind of like for real. If I could give any, anybody a 15 minute set in front of a big crowd, it would be Effie. Yeah. Cuz I'm like you guys don't even know how good she is. It, and it's so unique. Yeah. You know what I mean? Her point of view is so unique. So unique. And it's it's really great. So Yeah, man. I've I've been blessed to live with uh some good comics, but I am enjoying not living with comics now, <laughs> you know. I yeah. am enjoying like having my own my own space and just a guy to like watch football with and right, play video right. games and just kind of do whatever. So yeah, there's there's good and bad. How, uh, bar from like you living with a non comic right now, how do you kind of like to unwind and get away from the comedy? 
Because even as a comic, dude, if you just are away and you see something funny or you think of something, then it's just, you got to go into it. Yeah, you got to go in. I read, honestly. I mean, okay. it's like, it goes back to like the, the writing and the reading things. Like, I, I love books and I love, you know, JP got me into a fantasy novel collection that I'm far too into now at this point. But what is it? It's called uh, The Way of Kings the by, Way of Kings. yeah, Brandon something, but it's like 4,000 page novels. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to read 1,000 pages of this. And then I was, and now I'm like about to finish the first one. And no definitely kidding. Definitely going to get the second one. It's like, you know, it, because it, I think that takes me out of comedy so much that it's helpful. And then I also like, I write short stories, right? That I think are like meaningful to me and uh, even work on like novels and other stuff. So it's like, I'm, I separate my comedy brain by having other art and other like passions that uh, are also exciting to me. Do you think one and one or the other helps more or do you think they're both kind of? Um, I think they both, I think they both help in their own way. Right. And it's like, that's the cool thing. Of, I think that's the cool thing about art is that like it inner, it is able to intertwine with so many other things in your life. And so it's like, you know, when I'm, writing short stories now, I'll find myself like wanting to be funny, you know, mm. and, and, and like finding, you know, ways to punch it up. And when I'm on stage, I'm like trying to tell a story more, you know, so you see them, them blend together. And, you know, a lot of my perspective and stuff and, and questions that I have about the world can be brought up by a novel, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, I think they, they both feed off of each other. And that's what's cool about, you know, LA, I guess, is that like, everything you do does feed off of each other. Like you writing a script helps your comedy. You performing in like a commercial or a sketch helps your comedy. You doing an improv mic helps your stand-up. You doing stand-up helps your improv. Like it all does work together. So it's like, I think that there's no wasted, uh, there's no wasted time. Mm -hmm. Really? When you started, because you were saying when you first started getting through that five minutes, would, you, would it just be when you started like just stories or did you have like... No, I had I had dumb little bits and stuff that mm -hmm. I like other, but it was all about uh, absurdities in the in the world, you know, and just like little things like, uh, I would be like, who in here would go in like a shark cage, and mm -hmm. then like whoever would raise their hand, I'm like, you're an idiot, you're shark food, you're bait, you're you know what I mean, like you're just dumb because I'm like <laughs> the, the sharks are, you're dangling a che you're dangling a cheeseburger in a Walmart, you know, it's a, it's a really dangerous <laughs> idea, yeah, it's a really dangerous idea. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, a it was a lot of like silly nonsense. And I think that's the other part of me that I think I would love to like hone more is the silly side. Cause it's like, I do want to talk about serious things and societal things, but I think it's so fun to be silly mm -hmm. and to be just like, uh, ridiculously like childlike right, sometimes right. on stage. Well, I think that you could pull that off, especially because like what you're talking about is why the world is so ridiculous. You know what I mean? And then just the misdirection can always bring you back to that silliness yeah. of the joke. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, feels goofy. Say again? Feels goofy, you know. To, but all of this is goofy, right? Like that's another thing that I guess I feel, and I guess maybe I'll ask you this. How, mm -hmm. how important do you think comedy is to society as a whole? Right now, I think it's needed. I think it's needed because everyone's taking shit way too serious, man. Okay. You know what I mean? And it And I think it's just a good way to kind of talk about topics that are really soft, like touchy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like just like your example how we just kind of the disconnect with people and the disconnect with society and stuff like that. It's 
they're serious problems, dude. But if we, if us as comics, we can just kind of lighten the seriousness, but then make a point where everyone can kind of shift their minds and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Then I think that's a, that, that's why I love comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can be silly and at the same time you can make your points. Yeah. And I'm nowhere near that yet. You know what I mean? So when I see you talking about like what after that fucking roast battle last week where you were thought you bombed, you know what I, I mean? I felt like, terrible, man. And that yeah, I mean definitely talk about that. Yeah. I I you know, I had a set at the comedy store before uh roast battle and I was nervous. I was shaky level nervous. And instead of doing the jokes that I wanted to do and talking about the stuff that I wanted to talk about, I fell back on old material. No kidding. Yeah. And that's what I did for the set. I fell back and I just did all my old jokes that I know can get laughs. Uh, and I think, and I did that because I was afraid. I did that because I was afraid of going up there with new material and stuff that I wasn't sure about and doing bad in front of my friends and in front of people that I care about and in front of, you know, and at the comedy store. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, something I have to get over and a good friend, you know, she, she nailed it, you know, cause I felt terrible after that set. Right. And I was like, I don't know what I was doing up there. And she kind of like looked at me and was like, do you want me to, to talk to you about it? Like, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, yeah, for real hit me. And she's like, you're not talking about what you want to talk about. I know you, we've talked about deep stuff, societal stuff, political stuff, and that's what you want to talk about. So for you to go up there and talk about, you know, your web toes and, and girls and, you know what I mean, like stuff that you don't care about anymore, yeah, it's going to feel bad because that's not what you want to talk about. You have mm. to talk about what you want to talk about. And then, and I, and that just kind of was like, you know, blew me back. I was like, wow, that's like a really good point. Yeah. And I think that's a good message for like any freaking comic or artist. You have to talk about what you want to talk about, even when it's scary or even especially when it's scary. Yeah. Because that's like, those are the opportunities. And yeah, I, I definitely shied away from the moment. And I think that's definitely something that I worry about as far as like my own performance is like, am I going to shrink up in the big moment or am I going to like step up to it? And right. I think a lot of times I shrink up and that's scary looking forward because it's like you can't shrink up when you get a big spot or mm -hmm. you get an opening gig or whatever. Right. You have to you have to step up. Right. Do you think um, in your mind, do you think you did be like again, you everyone was saying that you did you didn't do as bad as you thought you did. Right. Do you think you did bad because you didn't talk with like didn't talk about it and it kind of pr affected your performance? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I was I didn't. I didn't talk about the things that I wanted to talk about. And so I'm falling back on old material, right? But that's not even what I had practiced recently. So even oh. in the middle of the set, I'm doing old material and I'm like leaving off the third part of it or I'm mixing it up with a, a different part. And I, I, I just did not deliver it well. Now, it's a, it was a fine set. I still got laughs throughout because the jokes are very good because I'm very talented. But like, but like, the thing is, like, I was messy, you know, mm. and... And I was all over the place. I was haphazard because I was freaked out, because I was nervous. It's the only time, honestly, where like when they were about to call my name to go up, I, you know, I talk about this, like I didn't want to go. Okay. I did not want to go up. And it reminded me of like when I went on this cliff jumping trip with a bunch of guys and like, you know, they're all jumping off of, you know, 40 foot cliffs and I'm, and they're doing it multiple times and they're totally fine. And I'm just sitting there looking over the cliff like, I don't think I can do it. I really don't want to do it. 
And I literally had that exact same level of like fear as if I'm like looking over a cliff when I'm just like about to walk onto a stage and do five minutes, something I've done so many times, yeah. but it's like, yeah, it was that same level of fear of like, I don't want to jump. I, someone let me go home. Someone let me get me out of here. And that's a, that's a scary level of anxiety to have for someone who wants to be a comedian when you're still like freaked out by yeah. that, when you're still like, oh man, somebody get me out of here. So it's a little bit of feeling like I don't belong or I'm not good enough. No, not at all, dude. I know, but it's like that, that those feelings come up. And I think those, I think those feelings come up for a lot of comedians at different mm-hmm. points that like, you know, that, yeah, that you're not good enough or you don't have it or you just don't want to go up and you, you have to. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. So I think, yeah, I got in my head and I, and I let it, let it affect the performance. But the other good thing about, you know, stand up, I guess, is that you have friends that are there to support you and that love you and that are like, Hey man, like that was fine. And yeah. like, you know, we all repeat jokes. So, so what you did your old jokes, like we've all done our old jokes a hundred times and we've seen each other's old jokes a hundred times. It's fine, man. But yeah, but then that other comic nailed it. It's like, you're upset because you did not talk about what you wanted to talk about. And she even was like, and that's kind of, you know, I mean, she didn't say this, but it's like, it seemed like she was kind of like, and that's why I'm upset too. Because mm-hmm. like, I we talk about deep stuff. We talk about real stuff when we write together, when we talk. And then to see you go up there and just do your old stuff, I'm like, then why are we talking? You know, and then why are we, why are we discussing like right. deep stuff and stuff that you really want to talk about if when the moment comes, you're just going to do all that old stuff. Mm. You got to bring, you got to bring what you want to talk about. Then trust it. It's such an interesting thing too, because I forget uh, who was talking about, I actually think it was Ben Nicholson, how he was talking about kind of like how artists, when they first start, it's like they, they'll make a, like it's ignorance, right? And then it makes a full circle when they become an expert at something like comedy, you kind of circle back to the same spot where it's just like, you're back in the beginning again. Does that make sense? I don't know if I explained that right. Yeah. I mean, you're, I think you're back in the beginning of like, when you first start, you're just, yeah, I guess you're just like, I just want to be able to talk for five minutes and like be funny on stage and trust that I'm, I'm a funny person. And then it's like one, and you're so ignorant of everything and how it works. And then you start to learn how jokes work and how they string together. And maybe you get a callback that you really like and it works and you get a closer that you like and it works and you have an opener that you like and it works. And then you, you do all of those, but they're probably very simple. And then once you have that, you take that around for a while and then you realize, oh man, I can't use this forever. I'm going to need more. And so you restart the process of like, now I'm back to ignorance because I don't know, because I know what I want to talk about, but I don't know how to do it. Hmm. And I think when you start, you're just like, I want to talk about anything. True. And then as you grow as a comedian, you're like, okay, this is my voice. Uh, These are the things that are important to me. These are the topics that I like to talk about. This is my, uh, you know, usual angle on things. I can build, you know, a story this way of like who I am. And that's a, that's a whole different journey than just like being able to do five minutes and be halfway funny. And I tell people that all the time, like people, you know, I get compliments plenty where people are like, you're really good. And I'm like, I think I'm passable right now. Like, and I, sometimes I'll do really well and sometimes I won't do as well. Um, but that's passable. Mm-hmm. And the, the distance between a passable performer and an incredible performer is a huge, is way, it's, it's way further than the distance between somebody who has not performed and is passable. Mm. Somebody who's never done comedy before is probably like here. And somebody who's passable is probably like here. And somebody who's an incredible comedian 
is like way up here. Right. And so it's like, I've maybe made that journey from like never doing it to like passively doing it. But then you look up and you're like, oh my God, that's such a huge mountain to climb to get to an incredible performer. A no doubt every time they go on stage, it's going to be amazing performer. Right. And there's plenty of comics that I'm sure have have dealt with that and have like been been uh, bad at first, but it was that's kind of funny. That's something that I I asked the guy that I knew was in comedy because I I also got into stand up because I had a a friend who did stand up mm-hmm. who was my that ex that I had. It was her friend, and I went to like multiple of her shows throughout the three years that her and I dated. And her friend would do the same exact five minutes. For three years. Three years? Three bro? years, man. The exact same joke. Oh my gosh. Every dude. time. And I was like, well, man, I can do better than that. Yeah. You know, I could, or I could just write five minutes and then repeat it for three years and have a lot of success. I'll do that. Now, that's not how it works. You, right. you can't just write a good five minutes and then have that be your whole life and, your, and, and set you for life. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's something, something like that shows you that like oh my god maybe this is simpler than i thought and i think that's how a lot of people start but then once you get into it you have to decide like oh man how important is this to me and like what what can i do that really resonates with what i want you know because i never saw myself as a comedian growing up like i didn't see myself as like i want to be a stand-up even though i was a huge fan of stand-up right like mm-hmm. i would watch all of the comedy central like half hours yeah dude uh, all of them yeah. all the time and like i loved stand-up comedy and i would learn to like recite the jokes and then i would go to school and i would recite the jokes to people but i never thought of like i'll be a comedian someday and it wasn't until freaking pandemic that i was like i'm gonna really try and do this um which seems like a strange thing because from a novelist to a stand-up, you know what I mean? Novelists are usually in terms of what everyone thinks of them, just kind of like on their own, kind of like just not the person who likes to talk in front of people, which is why they write, you know what I mean? Exactly. How did, how did you get over that? Is it just because of the pandemic that you just wanted to be around people? Um, I still don't want to be around people. <laughs> I really don't, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I've talked about this you know, with people before, but like my... Uh, this is like a depression thing, but like my escape is I would not talk to my family. I would mm-hmm. not talk to my friends mm-hmm. or anybody that I know right now ever again. And I would just move to Montana and like open a bar in Montana and like write books and read books and just like live in Montana. And like, that's a fear of like, I just want to, I just want to get away, mm-hmm. you know? So I think I, I still have that like novelist mentality where it's like, I want to be left alone. I don't like, this is a true statement. I cannot spend more than like two full days with somebody without being like, hey, I need three or four hours to myself mm-hmm. or I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, dude. But that's just like who I am. And it's just like recognizing that and being able to accept that and be honest about that. That's mm-hmm. like the hard part. Um, but talking in front of people, I'm a freaking narcissist, man. It's never been a problem for me. It's like I, I've always liked it. I've always had a gift for gab and I've always like... I also like my voice, you know, and I think, mm-hmm. I think people, I know words, man. It's like, I, I, right. I, I, I feel comfortable with, if we're dealing in words, it's, I feel comfortable. A war of words is the only war I would be useful at all. Like I the, anything else I'm probably not useful, but yeah, I, I, so I felt comfortable talking in front of people, but I will say the, the part of comedy that still I'm getting used to is the social aspect because I think 
honestly, I do think a lot of comedians uh, didn't have friends growing up or didn't mm. or weren't great socially. And so they get into comedy and they're like, now I have this social circle. Now I can make so many friends. And uh, I need to be better about that, about being, you know, kinder to people and not being dismissive of, of people or new friends or whatever, because we're all in this together and we, we're all helping each other and we all can help each other. But I'm I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon and like I I like my people that I have. I like my circle small mm-hmm. and like I don't really need a lot of people. And so when people invite me out for a hang or like come for a beer after the show, I'm kind of like, no, I'm just going to go home. Same, like, dude. Yeah, I'm like, Same. I... I like my my private space and I like being in a little hole by myself is where I feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that. You you have to be and and honestly JP and like other comics have shown me the value of the hang because I definitely, you know, avoid it a lot. Right. And even like just after this roast battle that I had, you know, Tuesday night, Dan Wicks, I roasted, who's a great comic in New York. And he was like, you want to go get a beer afterwards? And I was like, yeah. And then I went and, you know, talked to JP and I was like, yeah, Dan wants to go get a beer, but like, I don't know if I'm going to go do it. Like I, I might just go home. And JP like grabbed me. It was like, you go get that beer. <laughs> I love JP, dude. I love JP. He's too, awesome. Man. He's like, he's like, you have to go get that beer. All right. You do it. Do not go home. You go get the beer. And I went and I got the beer and it was an awesome night, man. He Good brought he brought friends that like I, I had wanted to meet and people that I had wanted to talk to. And it was like a really cool, memorable night. And I'm like, oh my God, this is part of it. Being social, being out, uh, talking to people after the show, being a friend right. after the show is yeah. is an important part of it. And I think that's something that I've struggled to accept because like you're saying, like a novelist or somebody who wants to write books stays away from people and is comfortable in their, in their own little space. And I'm having to work, uh, to not be like that, to be more open to like having fun with people and being out and about, uh, with people and being social. I don't really, I don't like it, but I have to do it. Yeah, no, I totally feel you with that, dude. I, 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 cause I was a writer in film or like wrote scripts and stuff like that. But during the pandemic and like, dude, up until I started comedy four months ago, I was always to myself. I didn't really talk to anybody. I just stayed at home and I just focused on scripts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I got depressed because of it. I'm not going to lie, dude. And comedy really took me out of it. And like, Same, man. And I, I'm really seeing kind of like a brighter side to life. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Me yeah. too. Um, let's get in. If you want to talk about the depression, man. Sure. I, uh, I, I suffer from depression a lot when I was younger. I'm 34 now. And if I were to tell, how old are you? 24? 29. 29. Okay. Yeah. Dude. I, I think what it is is just you just get stronger yeah. as, as, as you, right? Because, like, my depression, like, let's say my depression what compared, like, from when I was 29 compared to when I was 23 was a lot different. And my depression now from at 34 compared to 29 is, again, totally different. But it's, hmm. like, it's more of, like, just the calluses. We talk about calluses in comedy. That's what it feels like. It's just, like, I'm just just getting more and more calluses to my... Yeah, emotional and you, side, and you learn to recognize it. You know, right. you learn to recognize like when you're going through just like a depressed time, and you're like, "Oh, True. it's this again." Like, I know how to get out of this. Yeah. I know the steps to take. But when it first hits you, it's brutal, man. It I sucks, mean, dude. I'm. This is maybe too dark, but I I uh, tried to hang myself from a from a ceiling fan when I was 14. Oh man, which is an insane thing to do. And yeah. thank God I'm a terrible at you know engineer, <laughs> and like you know I'm just like bad at it. 
Because I tried to like use a sweater to like, <laughs> I, I, this is real. I tried to like tie a sweater to the freaking, you know, uh, fan and then tie the other part to my neck and then like jump off my bed. And it just like yanked the fucking fan down and just like, you know, came undone. And my parents rushed in and were like, did, what did you just try to do? And like, I tried, I was like, I guess I tried to hang myself. And they were like, what the hell? You're 14. Yeah. You're 14. You want to, yeah. you want to die? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean it's there's a, there's a level of depression that uh I think it I'm not sure where it comes from. I think it comes from feeling like you don't want to accept yourself, you don't love yourself enough. And so uh it's just an easy way out. But I made a deal with myself after that at like 15 that like no matter what happens you can't you can't take the easy way out. You're going to see what happens yeah. in life. You're just going to see what happens. That's good. And I think that, and that, and I'm like sticking to that till the end, you know? And it's like, I think I just kind of was like, you love stories. This is the only story you get to live. So mm. what are you going to do? You know, you're going to end it now. Chapter two, chapter three, you're going to end it. No, you see it till the end. You read it all the way through. And so, wow. yeah. And so it's like, I, I kind of was like, that's kind of my mentality and, Definitely comedy has been such a... Because because you find so many people who are depressed in comedy. Yes, dude. And who have lived horrific lives. Awful. And horrific things Com- have happened Especially to compared to like my life. And, um, and my life, yeah. yeah it's like, oh my God, that's terrible what yeah, happened to dude. you. And like you all... But they also use the same outlet, right? Like they use the funny outlet to like help them with it, to help them through their problems. Right. And there's such a beauty in that that it's like I think mm. anybody can like appreciate and and understand and enjoy is just like wow like they're laughing through the pain you know yeah. and i think that's a good there was someone who said mark Marin on a podcast was like you know he, he said that he was doing a set and it was making people really depressed and then someone in the crowd shouted out this is sad and he shouted back at them sometimes it's not about the funny sometimes it's about the sad and i think comedians can identify with that because it's like sometimes it really is about the sad yeah when you're when you're uh going through stuff but you find the funny in it absolutely or like you write a silly joke about ducks or you know chips or mm. fries or whatever and then you take it out and people laugh at it and you're like nice you know what i mean i'm yeah. doing something for the world i'm bringing some kind of positivity to this i mm. guess i'll stay and i think that's yeah it's pretty cool and, and i think you take that outlook too with what where you're kind of trying to take your comedy now you know what i mean like, what are kind of, do you think some of the steps you're going to try to take to kind of get to what you want to talk about? Well, it's not being afraid to to bring it up, you know, and, and not listening to people who say, because I've had people, I've told people like what I want to talk about. And they're like, it's over, man. Like, nobody wants to hear about topical stuff. Nobody wants to hear about political stuff. That's all over. Okay. We just want to know your story. And I'm like, God, that can't be, I'm, if that's what it is, then I'm screwed. But like, that's not what I, that's not how I'm going to do it. Right. You know, it's like, I'm going to continue to talk about stuff that's going on and how weird we are as a society. And I think, you know, we even, when we were talking about it at the store, you even added something to it that I think is great that it's like, it's a child's solution to an adult problem. And I think we have a lot of that. Right. And I think that's the way to go is like to look at other examples of like, where they're where people are making a child solution to an adult problem it's mm-hmm. like I, I mean you know you're 
light breaks on the back of your car and you duct tape it instead of like getting it actually fixed or your teeth start to hurt and your gums start to bleed. And instead of seeing a dentist, you're just like, I'm just going to brush twice as long. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's a, it's a child solution to an adult problem. And it's like, I think that is an angle to take it and just be like, do you see how childishly we are handling these real problems? And again, not an answer. I'm not going to be able to tell you, here's what we should do. Right. Because I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. And I, I can't cont- pretend that I'm out there, you know, making campaign distribution. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't pretend that I'm out there, you know, fixing it. But what I can mm-hmm. do is point out how silly it is. And from that, maybe eventually I will find a point or like, you know, something that I want to say on it that I think is meaningful. Mm-hmm. But... But I think the way to get to get through that is one talking to people who share a similar view. Like DeJen, we've talked about DeJen. DeJen wants to talk about the world, and like you know, a lot of a lot of his stuff, I think, does talk about the world and talks about race in a unique way and mm-hmm. in his place mm-hmm. in like uh, a like the black community in, right. in an interesting way, in a way that hasn't been heard before. And so it's like you get with those people that right. want to talk about how society is or how weird it is or like this is absurd that we do this uh, and you discuss it with them. And then once you've discussed it with them, I think you take it to, uh, you know, your silly friends who don't care about that stuff at Mm. all and say Mm. like, hey, I have this bit about like how the world works. What do you think? And they'll probably have something very silly to say about it that you can add to it. Because you're too, you're tunnel visioned into like, this is important, this is important. So that's why it's important to have different types of comedy friends because it's like, then you can take it, then maybe, you know, I'll write with the gen about what's important and the absurdities of the world. Then I'll take it to JP and be like, hey, and JP doesn't care at all Mm -hmm. about like making a point or making a political statement or anything. But I bet he adds some really funny, goofy stuff to it. And then maybe I'll take it to Effie, who's like very dark about uh, about her view of like religion and political stuff in the, in the world and like very extreme. And I bet she'll have something to add to it. So it's it's that kind of stuff. And then I think it's from there you take it. And even in between those steps, you take it on the stage, you record your set, you try and play like always, always at least I try to. And Mike's is like when I get to the end of a bit, try and play with it longer. Like, don't just move to the next thing. Right. Try and stay in it and like play with what you just said for a little bit longer. See if there's anything you can pull out in the moment. Because I think being on stage and there is a a rush of adrenaline and there's a rush, like rush to your mind where you might be able to pull stuff there that you're not able to pull in a writing session because you're actually in it. And so then you listen back to that and say, okay, I liked this that I said, I'm going to add this, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that. I'll cut that. Maybe there's something in that. And then you restart it, you know, re, like take it back to the friends again and be like, now here's where it's at, you know. Has this always been your process? Because you kind of just took me through your writing process and this is so interesting. I've never heard this. Yeah, before. well, it's that is kind of my process. I also try and like type stuff out or like write it out in like full sentences. Like mm-hmm. I'm fully saying uh, everything that I'm going to say on stage. And that's led to some some good jokes and some tightening of jokes, which feels good. Um, but yeah, I think the, the main process is like, write it out to start, take it to a mic and play with it on stage. Then listen to like the things that you were playing with, maybe try to add a little bit more, take it to somebody who has a similar comedy vein as that. Then take it to somebody who has the complete opposite comedy vein as that. And, you know, 
compare notes. Because I think what I, I honestly think what I'm best at in, in comedy and stand-up wise is finding like what is the funny. Like, mm. what is the funny thing about whatever you're talking about? This is the, you know what I mean? This thing is the funniest thing that, mm-hmm. like, you're mentioning. And so, you know, sourcing a lot of funny people and a lot of their information is good for me because then I think I can use my strength of, like, okay, this part fits and this part fits. Wow, and, like, dude. This thing, this thing can go over here. So that that's such a cool way to approach it, man. Yeah, that, I think it's, I think of it as a collaborative thing. And there's a lot of people I know who, like, don't like that or like they think yeah, like everything you write should just be purely your writing and it's like of course there's jokes that were purely just my writing and i'm proud of those and they're mm-hmm. and when they're good it feels that's the biggest ego helper right is i'm like i wrote that all myself and true. it's crushing and Very it's like true. yeah it's like that's that's great but uh it it also helps to have your friends and the laughs aren't any less satisfying when a friend gave you a tag absolutely not, yeah. it's not any la- less satisfying and like, especially like, and the crowd doesn't know, you know, it's like they're, they're having fun and you're having fun and then you can still play with it because it's still you on stage and it's still your bit. Right. So I think this, you know, I think that can be dangerous having like this, like possessive, like. I got to do it myself. I got to do it all myself. Yeah. And this is all me. And I write everything myself and I edit it myself and I um, create it all myself. It's like. And hey, if that works for people, go ahead. But that's not how I view this at all. Right. I view it as a collaborative thing. My stuff is my short stories, my novels. That's all me. Mm. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and mm-hmm. I and I take pride in that. But comedy, I see as a collaborative thing. I don't think I'm the greatest comedic mind in the world. I think I'm a good writer who knows what to re- knows how to recognize what's funny, and can be funny and enjoyable to watch on stage and goofy. So it's like, those are my talents. So for me to just like lock myself in a room and be like, write 15 minutes of stand up right now that'll crush, that's going to be tough. Right. But it's like, write some things you think are silly and then take it to people that you think are very funny and have see what they have to say. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And it's just like easier. And then I can add my personality and my delivery and like my stage presence to it. So there's a lot of... Dude, that's wild. You kind of like, because I haven't gotten to that point yet where I, I'm able to kind of... I mean, I, I don't even know if I've written one good joke yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes it. I mean, I, yeah. The, the first, I remember the first time I was like, this is a good joke. It's not great, but it's good and it's long and it has callback. And it's like, you know, and I was like, you know, this is a, this is a good bit. And it, and it, and it felt fun. But even that was like, there's pieces of it where I set it on stage and then a guy afterwards was like, this part of that joke is really good. Make sure you had like, it, you might want to trim it down a little bit, but like keep that part. Mm. And so I always keep that part. And then it's like, I, I move on a little bit and then I revisit it and I'm like, I can cut this part or I can adjust this because this just happened to me. And it's playing with it, man. And that's mm. what's, that's what's like the most fun is like, it's, it's like word experimentation and being like a little word scientist that you're like in a lab, like, okay, but what if I move this word over here? Like, can this thing that I want to talk about now work with this old thing that I've already talked about? Let me try those two next to each other. Let me try, you know, this one and then this one. And there's like, yeah, there's really cool that that's what I think is so cool about it is that you're a, you're a word scientist. You're, you're experimenting all the time with like, does this work here? What about over here? If I try, what if I reorder these? What if I try a new tag on this one? 
what if I open with this? What if I switch my opener and closer? Now I'll open with mm. the closer and then I'll close with my opener. Oh, just shit. to see what happens. Just to see how it goes. That's the fun, man. That's like what that's like what is cool about it right. is that you you can play around with that stuff and see what what works and what doesn't. Let uh, you were talking about writing a whole long joke. What are kind of like the, what's the formula of having a long joke? Like obviously set up tagline and, and callbacks and stuff like that. But in your mind, like if you could teach me how to do that four months in, what should I be looking for to make a like what you said a your fir- my first long winded joke? Write it out word for word. Yeah. So first thing, I would just like write the joke completely word for word as you're saying it on stage or as you're thinking of it in your head. Like, uh, I'll just do like the joke that I had. I guess I was like, you know. Uh, I think I think Bumble is the best dating uh, website because on Bumble, uh, women get to pick who they want to talk to, and that doesn't even happen in real life. Like mm. if you're out of, <laughs> that's good. And, and it's like that's you know, what I mean? it's yeah. like that's that's and it's like that's the start, right? And then I'm like, um, but every woman on Bumble is looking for a guy over six foot, like they're trying to fill out an intramural basketball team. <laughs> You know, like, oh, they're just like, oh, if we could just find somebody to play the post, you know, it's like we <laughs> we could win, you know, what I mean? it's like, that's good. And I and then I start thinking about that. Right. So it's like what they do that six foot thing. And I was like, OK, well, I'm going to then I'll put uh, C cups or more on my dating profile. If they're going to put six foot, I'll put C cups. And then I told that I had it like to that point, And I told that to a female friend of mine and she went, no, no, no. That'd be like if you put if women put six inches or more on our dating profile. And I'm like, whoa, that would change things for some people. And uh, and then you leave that. And I was like, but then I realized that wouldn't change things because every dude thinks they have at least six inches. (laughs) You know, like, like, uh, bro, that's crazy good. Right. And so it's like, you know, that's that actually wouldn't change things. Like, like as a dude, like if you measure and you get four, you don't accept that answer. Yeah. You know, like, no, no, no. I did something wrong here. This ruler's broken. There's something, (laughs) something's amiss. And so, you know, your ma- mind starts racing back to geometry class. You're like, wait a minute. I remember how to get the correct length of the dick. You take the depth of the balls by the length of taint to tip. Find that hypotenuse. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. My dick's 25 inches. That feels way better. And like, but it's like that. That was my first like fully written joke. That's a good fucking joke. Yeah. Dude. And it's like it's a long joke. It starts with the, it starts with it. And it's obviously like a lot of dumb stuff. Right. It's yeah. stuff that's been done a million times. Mm-hmm. Dating apps over six foot. Everybody's talked about that. Uh, dick joke. You know, guys in their dicks. Everyone's talked about that. But I put a little fun spin on it with the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> that's fun. You know, yeah. we're having a silly goose time. But it's like that comes from. Starting, you know, you write. I had the bit about Bumble, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like I write that, and then I had the the thing about like being over six foot. You know, everybody writes over six mm-hmm. foot, like they're trying to fill out an real basketball team. Boom, I had that, and then I had the other bit about like you know the uh, the idea of like how to get six inches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you take the depth of, and I just thought that was funny, right? And so then it's like you you find a way to smash those together when you're writing. Wow. Because you're like, and just see where it takes you, right? So it's like, if you have a bit that's about whatever, like what what is one of your bits about? Any, what is it about? A Any? Filipino mom. Okay. I have a Filipino mom and she, is she nice or is she mean? So basically the joke is, uh, my Filipino mom used to beat the shit out of me. So now I call her Mommy Pacquiao. Okay, good. Well, my female mom used to beat the shit out of me. Now I call her Mommy Pacquiao. So then I would be like, uh, 
she's undefeated or like, you know what I mean? Right, or like, yeah. you know, something like you just keep going. I kind of go like, she, and she's old school. So she said, fuck the 12 rounds. I'm going 15 with this motherfucker. Yeah. Type shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm going 15. And then you try to think like, uh, what else that is like motherly is in a boxing ring? You know what I mean? Oh. And that's something that somebody else taught me of like, if you have two things, like you have a mom and you have a boxer list, all the traits of a boxer list, all the traits of your mom. Holy shit. Find where they connect. Boom, into the joke. Holy shit. That's it. And then it's like, and then it's like, okay, now I have another line of like how my mom is like a boxer or how my mom is like Manny Pacquiao. You know, and it's like it can be good things, it can be bad things. And then if you get to a point where it's like it relates to something else that you're thinking about or a different joke that you're thinking about, boom, now you're on to another thing. And it's like that becomes a longer joke from something that I was see. just you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it was just one thing and it it was just one thing. But then when you look, start looking for the connections and you just need one or two, maybe even just one, and then you put that connection down and it might lead you to think about something else about your mom. Dude, that's crazy, man. Yeah. And Gosh so, dang. And so then you can like, you can go from there and build it out and maybe it'll relate to another joke. Maybe it won't, but. It does. I have another joke where I can't date Asian women because I find it incestuous and like Asian titties remind me of my mom. Okay, good. <laughs> Asian titties remind me of my mom. But it's like, and you could even be like, you know, uh, yeah, something about like how, how, you know, and I don't even know any Asian famous boxers, you know what I mean? Or like something, like something about that. Like, I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to know what the flying knee of a relationship is or like something, you know what I mean? Like anything, Damn, anything like that, where it's like, you just try and figure out how things, how things connect. And the more that you. The more that you put, yeah, pen to paper and really try and like write out, start with something that you have and then realize the connection that you're trying to build between two things, list what their similarities are back to the sentences and it'll be long and it'll be messy yeah. and there'll be words you don't need and there'll be stuff that doesn't matter and like... But that's just all part of the process. That's all part of the process. Exactly. Trial and error and you can trim it down later and it's like, I don't even do that 25 inch dick joke ever anymore. Yeah. I don't do right. it ever. And it's like, do I still think it's a good joke? Yeah, I do. But it's like, that's a beginner joke. Right. Because it's talking about dating apps, it's talking about height, it's talking about dick size. It's, it's a very like... I just started comedy and I'm having fun and right. like, this is my first clever good joke but, type of joke. But the fact that you have that formula must make it, no, correct me if I'm wrong, but it must make it easier for you to kind of apply to the things you want to talk about now, correct? Or Sometimes, but sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm too bogged down by just like, this is important to be fun. You know what I mean? To be mm. funny about it. That's where I think I'm at right now is I'm like, this is important. And so it's hard for me to just be like, now let me think about what's the but that's the, it's a good idea to write down maybe I make columns of right. like you know adult problem child solution and go. then like list a bunch of adult problems and list what the child solution there you would go. be. Yeah. So it's like there yeah that that method definitely can work for everything. But it's also just like making yourself sit down and do it and really do it. And the other thing that works great for like starting things or like seed things that I used to do with JP and Miranda is we would just use a random word generator. And so it's like, it just generates one word and it's like, write some joke about that word that like relates to that word. No shit. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there was a, there's a bunch of dumb ones that it, that like can come from that. I think we had, the word was like cower. And I was like, did you guys ever play cower and feel alone as a kid? That's what I call hide and seek. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was terrified. You know what I mean? It's scary. 
And then it's like, if I was hiding, I would be terrified. And then if I was it, that was even worse. Cause I'd just be like, guys, come out. I'm alone. I miss you. You know what I mean? It's like, I miss you guys. You know what I mean? And it's like that, but that all comes, like you wouldn't get there without a random word being tossed out mm. at you because it's so daunting to start. And it's so daunting. Right. You're like, how am I going to figure out a joke? Or like, how am I going to write a long joke? So having something that's just like, boom, here's a word. Or even like, I'm just going to write down the jokes I already have. The jokes I already mm-hmm. know. I'm just going to write those out and keep going with them. Or, you know, uh, write them even like side by side and just look for similarities. Look for any way that they can connect. Because then it makes it seem like a longer joke, even though it's not. Even though you're just connecting like a, a few short ones, it makes it sound like a longer joke. And then there's the whole thing about like delivering it and, you know, learning right. it and being better. And it's like all that takes a lot of time. But... Yeah, I don't know, man. I've done all that stuff and it's like I've worked in those ways and I've worked on those types of writing processes and still I can have a set like I had at the comedy store Tuesday where I'm messy and I'm unorganized and I'm just bad. Just not perform just not performing well, not being as good as I know I could be and should be. So, it's not an easy game. And uh yeah, it's but it is fun. And if you love words and you love uh writing and you love, you know, and if you're a self-hating narcissist, it'll really help. It'll really <laughs> No, I mean, it's like that I think that that goes a long way. And yeah, there's a lot of people that I that I respect that I'm sure have different, you know, processes and whatever. Right, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> but that was that's interesting that you take it like that, dude. You literally break it down to where it is a formula. And it's yeah. easy for me to understand. I don't know if it's an Asian thing, but it's just like, oh, I finally <laughs> see it now. You know what I mean? Like I could see it in my f- head. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you're 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 kind of formulaic when you're writing. But even that, I guess I don't trust myself, right? To know what the funny is or to to like even when I get to that point, right? Like I don't trust right. myself to know that like that's what's funny. So then I like take it to my friends and I'm like, hey, especially friends that you think are funnier than you. And I, and you need to admit like when your friends are funnier than you. Right. And it's like people that I think are, are funnier in different ways. I, I seek them out and I want to be their friend because I'm like, you're a unique perspective. You're right. a perspective that I don't have. The idea that like I'm going to be able to see all angles on a joke. No, absolutely not. It would be awesome if I could. But JP had a joke that we were hanging out one day and you know, eating Chick-fil-A and he choked on a fry and he's like, how do I even choke on a waffle fry? It's got holes in it. (laughs) And I hate, and I hate so much that that joke works. And like, he said that and I was like, that's the dumbest joke ever. And he was like, I'm going to write it down and I'm going to say it on stage. And I'm like, that's the worst joke of all time. And like, if that works, comedy's stupid. And then he goes on stage and he does it and it it murders. And I'm like, this is dumb. This is dumb what we're doing. Because I'm up here trying to be like, there's a problem with the world. And he's like, how do you choke on a waffle fry? You know, it's like. That is so JP though, It's so JP. So JP. And that's why he's my, he's my earliest comedy friend, my longest comedy friend. And I, I knew from like the moment I saw him perform that I'm like, this guy is so different from me that if I become his friend, it can only help both of us because. Mm we're so different. Mm. You know what I mean? We're yeah. in, in like what we want to talk about and the kind of comedy we want to do could not be further apart. Right. We, but we intersect where we intersect is we both love silly. We both love mm. being really silly and we make the silliest jokes together that probably won't work anywhere else except between us. But it's like, that's where we intersect is like, we're both very silly, even though I want to talk about serious stuff and, and be political and be, 
uh, topical and make points, and he just wants to be a goofy, you know, silly guy. Silly, silly fella. Silly, silly fella on stage. We intersect at, at that at that silly level, and it's like that. Those are the people that you need because they can help you see things you don't see. That's so wild, dude. Just to see <clears throat> how you guys talk comedy compared to what I talk to comedy about, like around people, like for, with people who are like you know six months and under. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's so it's a completely different ball game, bro. It's like varsity <laughs> versus JP type shit, man. Well, J yeah, JP is very good, very talented, yes. and he's been doing this a, a, a while, and he's been a crusher for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's like that guy's gonna kill, and the, and he's gonna be he's gonna be great. But it's like the I, I don't know, man. I sometimes I I think where people get upset with me, and JP's gotten upset with me for this too, is that like. I don't see comedy as that important. I think it, you know, people listened to Carlin for 20 years and then voted in Reagan. Like, it's not, we're not doing anything. You know what I mean? It's like, and sometimes that frustrates me. Like, Jon Stewart, you know, was like my favorite, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. comedy thing to listen to growing up because it was such political satire and it was so well written Mm -hmm. and his interviews were great. and, And I was like, I was all about it. And then his show ends and we elected Trump. And I'm like, oh, so. It doesn't really change the world, does it? Mm. You know what I mean? Right. But that's the thing. It's not supposed to. It's just supposed to make people question. It's just supposed to make people ask questions of like the world they're living in and how absurd it is. So you take the same kind of like the same mindset with reading books to comedy then? Yeah, I definitely do. It's like a, it's all to me. It's all like being a, a storyteller and it's all just like being like a. Yeah, I think I think that's. To me, that's what I think comedy is. Whether you're telling the story of your, like your life, your perspective, or a, a story about something you, that you heard happened or whatever, it's just it's just telling a story and it's just giving a, a performance in the same way that a book is like entertainment. It's all entertainment. It's all mm. under the same umbrella. And I think the highest thing that entertainment can do is make you think about your own life in a different way. Not change your life, but make you think about it in a different way. Like BoJack Horseman was like my favorite animated show and like made me work in animated TV. Great show. And like what it does, it doesn't provide a ton of answers to to people's Mm. stuff. It gives you maybe suggestions, but what it really does is make you question, hey, are you living like BoJack? Mm. Are you living like Mr. Peanut Butter? Are you living like Diane? Like just, just questions. You know what I mean? Like, that's all it's going to do is like, are there pieces of these characters that you identify with? And there probably are. And it's like, all that makes you do is question like, huh, could I, if you're addicted to something, could I stop? You know, Bojack struggled to stop. Could I stop? If you have a rough relationship with your parents, Todd had a rough relationship with his parents. Like, could I fix that? It just makes you question if it's, if it's good is that it keeps you entertained and then it makes you question a little bit about like what's going on and like how you are, who you are, the world at large. And that's all it's supposed to do, I think. I don't think it's supposed to make you laugh and make you think. Dude, that's crazy. I just literally had an epiphany because like I got in a film because just that, right? It would ask questions and stuff like that. And kind of, and like towards the end of it, or even now, like the, even just like the entertainment now, there's no really answering questions. It's just like, this is what it is. This is how it has to be. Yeah. With film and entertainment right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of... Uh, I wonder about why we got so into superheroes. I wonder about why... Because... And I think it's because it's a child's solution to an adult problem. 
I think that's Jesus, dude. maybe why we love superheroes right now, because we realize that the world is ending and we can't oh do anything. So wouldn't it be nice if there was a superhero because we're all children and we're looking for childish solutions? So we're like, oh, I'm going to go watch Spider-Man or Superman or the Marvel Avengers save the world because the actual world is screwed. So let me pretend for two hours that there's superheroes that'll save it. Okay, so let me ask you this. How do we, not, how do we get people, not, I mean, not we, but like, what i don't want to make it sound like how do we get people to start asking questions again right as opposed to just like oh this is what it is and this is how i have to feel well it's hard because everybody's pretty on board with the cognitive dissonance right now like that's what that thumbs up thumbs down thing proves is like right. when you ask a group they'll be honest when you ask as a group hey are we doing well as a, as a world as a as a, like a people as mm-hmm. humans they'll be like no we're not doing a good job mm-hmm. And then when you ask, are we doing well as like a country? Do you think we're taking care of the people we should be taking care of and fulfilling the promise of like, you know, our declaration and like our whole thing? No, you're right. No, I mean, like not even you're right, but like, no, we're not doing that. But then you ask them on an individual level, hey, do you feel good about your life? And they're like, of course, because they're lying to the rest of the people around them. On both. Do you think they're lying on both ends? Like when? Uh, I think they're honest in a group. I think they're being honest about like the world not going well and the country not going well. Mm-hmm. But then when you ask them individually, nobody wants to say, well, yeah, if the, if the country's fucked and the world's fucked, I'm probably fucked. Yeah. Because, because then what's the point of going on? It's a lot of like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know. I don't know how we get people to question because it, it, feels like there's no, it feels like there's no adult solution, right? Right. And so, unless people start acting like adults, is what it feels like. Unless people start acting like adults, and unless we realize that, like, all these old people who have been in control of the government for so long are about to die, and like people who any minute now, any minute now, (laughs) could have happened now while we were recording this. We can hope. Um, God, when Mitch McConnell dies, we should have a party. We should have dude, a parade, that, dude. We should play what it freeze tag. We should play freeze tag. We should play freeze tag. <laughs> the whole country should play freeze tag. God. It's yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. It's crazy how like, oh, you got to retire at like sixty five, but these people running the free the free world, fuck it, dude. Yeah, no dude. age limit. No age limit. They can just keep on making ideas, but and I guess that's I guess that's how you make people question, right? It's like you just do yours at least for me it's like i just got to do my stand-up and talk about the things that i think are important and uh the the way of the world the way things are going and just bring it up and Mm -hmm. put it in their face even if it's like a small crowd or a small you know whatever it's like just put it in their face that like hey this is happening Mm -hmm. just so you know Mm -hmm. like and if you're worried about thinking about it you don't think about it most of the time so like you know don't you know i'm sure you won't worry about it yeah but I think the only way to do it is to bring it up in whatever way that you can and then make people, offer the people the opportunity to think, offer people the opportunity to question. They probably won't do it right? because true. it's a big question and there's a lot going on and life is hard, okay? Yeah. People have to work two jobs to barely afford their rent and then you're like, hey, did you know that the, you know, the ozone is going up half a degree every, every year? They're like, shut the fuck up. I have bills to pay. Yeah. Like that really is their mentality. And it's like, you can't really knock them for that. True. You can't really, yeah, you can't really knock them for being like, I got to worry about what's in front of me. And it's like, the reality is that if we all cared about, uh, making things better for all of us, we could, but 
nobody wants to start that conversation because we're very upset with each other and because everybody's tunnel vision, my life, I got to make sure I'm okay. And I wonder if part of that is because we realize that the country is out of control. I mean, we just had Trump and then we had Biden and nothing's really different. And so it's like, it's like, I think people are like, okay, the country's out of my control. The world's out of my control. So I'm just going to tunnel vision into my life and make sure my life can be as good as possible. And that leads to a lot of selfish behavior and people being hurt and love is lost in that. Mm. And, and so it's like, that is because uh, it even seems people who are like that don't even love themselves most sometimes you know yeah well it's it, i think because the reality is love comes from community the reality is like love and happiness comes from community i was talking about this yesterday people are happiest when they're at a barbecue with friends right that's when you're at your happiest and like you know you're not happy when you buy a lamborghini you're happy when you drive your friend in a lamborghini because it's the connection that does it that's a good one too dude to bring up yeah. And your shit. Yeah. It's like you're you're not happy when you buy a Lamborghini. You're happy when you get to drive your friend in a Lamborghini. Not because of the car. I mean, it's because connections matter and everything else is fluff. The people you spend your life with and the, and the uh, yeah, the, obviously the conditions you spend your life in, but definitely mostly the people you spend your life around, if you feel like they love and care about you and you love and care about them, the rest is kind of fluff. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe making people realize that there's more love and consideration than maybe they think there's more love and compassion around, but you got to start with you. You know, all you, all you can do is lead by example. You do, you do the right thing and you do the thing that you think is best for the world because it's right. Not because people will respect it. Not because people will start following your lead. Not because you think everybody's going to change their ways, but just because it's important to you that you live that way. Right. That's it. And I think, you know, that's all you can really do is just like decide the kind of person you want to be and be that person to the best of your ability every day. And that's kind of all you, that's kind of it. But, you know, and for me, that's caring about the future of the world and the country. And I, I am worried about it and I would like to see America fulfill its promises and I would like to see the world continue. I think the human race is valuable. Mm. I know crazy, but like, (laughs) I, I'm I know I'm insane, but like I think you know our our brand of uh, we might not be the only conscious beings in existence, right? But I, I think our brand of consciousness, the fact that we're able to love each other, the fact that we're able to empathize with each other, I don't know if other conscious beings out there have that. Maybe mm. they don't have love. Maybe they don't have compassion. Mm. Maybe their consciousness works in a different way. And so I think it's important that human consciousness goes on. And the idea that we're just kind of like, yeah, the world's going to end, but like humans are dumb anyway. The, the animals deserve it. It's like you're missing. I mean, I guess people, it's like, I, I would hate to believe that that's true. I would hate to, pe- that, to believe that people are so disillusioned with uh, society that they think humanity doesn't deserve to go on. Why? You know what I mean? Like you're just throwing in the towel. I can't even lie, dude, like getting older, that's where I'm at right now at 34. It's just kind of like, not throwing in the towel, but it's just like, gosh, dang, dude, what is going on? You know, because it's like, maybe that's a problem. Maybe I'm just thinking of solutions rather than asking questions. Yeah. Don't try to think of solutions. That's going to, that's going to brutalize you. I mean, even like to people, right? It's like, they're like, okay, well then how do I change the world? How do I change the country? Stop looking for solutions. Just ask questions. Do I want the country to stay as it is? Do I want, uh my kids to grow up 
in a world wrecked by global warming? Do I want my kids, 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 kids to exist? Those are the questions to ask, you know? Do I still believe that, like, you know, love is important and that there's more love in the world than hatred? If not, is there anything that, like, do... Is there anything I can do to make that better? Right. And maybe there's not, but, like, I don't like the idea of people just... I don't like... I don't like the apathy. I don't like it. Everybody's apathetic. Everybody's like, ah, you know, whatever happens, happens, man. I just don't care. And it's like, dude, that's cool when you like just read Nietzsche in college. That's when that's cool to be like, I don't, you know what? I don't really care what happened. You know, it's all meaningless eventually. The, did you know about entropy? And like the eventually <laughs> things just fucking burn out, man. And I'm like, yeah, but the point of being alive is to fight against that. Mm. The point of existing is to, is to push forward, to explore more, to keep going, to rebel against the fact that everything mm. will end eventually. Not to accept it, damn, you monkey. <laughs> God damn, dude, that is really fucking deep, man. Sorry, yeah. No, dude, that's fucking crazy to think about. Because like I said, dude, I don't know what happened since the pandemic. I've just kind of slowly but surely just kind of like, because I was like that, bro. Like the pandemic happened right when I turned 30. And I was like that. I was very like, oh my gosh. Like we come together as a community, right? Because fucking Trump was in office and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we got to come together as a community. And then something shifted, man. I don't know what it was. And then I'm not going to lie. I voted for Trump in 2020. There you go. You know what I mean? And it, it just, after that, it was kind of like a slow rolling down the hill where up, up until I started comedy where I was just like, because I didn't give a shit about anybody, bro. I'm not going to lie. The past couple of years, I didn't give a shit about anybody. Yeah. And I'm, I still kind of don't, but it's like with comedy, I'm starting to see where the community thing that you were talking about. Yeah. Community, community is important and taking care of each other is important, even at the cost of yourself even and it's like and you do that you sacrifice for others not because you think they'll do it for you or because you think that they'll learn from you or whatever but because somebody has to start and it should and it's like make it you you know if if that's important to you now if it's not important to you and you just want to be selfish and like do you think then do you think there's a, there's a bunch of people doing that too but like uh yeah i think it's important to sacrifice for people and i think for me personally, I would li- I believe in like the beauty of humanity and that people I think are fundamentally good, selfish, right. sure, but like good at their core and like and that you know consciousness and, and human beings and like the love that they have is important and like should go on and that the like I just said the point is to rebel against the dark, not to just be like, well you know it's all fucked, so yeah. I guess I'll just. I'm going to get mine. I guess yeah. I'll collect as much money as I possibly can or get as much success and likes and views and fame as I possibly can while I'm here so that I'm remembered for as long as possible before entropy takes us all. And it's like, yeah, man, I, I guess, but do you realize that you're kind of, you're still giving into the entropy thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if you're striving for that, you're still living with the idea of like, it's all going to end eventually. So, I just got to make sure my life matters uh, for as long as possible. And people right. remember me as long as possible. So I'm like, do, do you believe what you say or do you not, right? Because mm. it's like, if you're saying that it's all meaningless and it's all going to fade away eventually, then why do you want to be famous? Mm. Then why do you want to be successful? If it's all going to go away and it's not going to matter, why do you want it? 
what's going on? You know, it's like there's a there's a disconnect there where it's like, okay, so then you must think that some of it matters. You must think that a something lo- matters. Something matters. You know, it's like that you can't just say none of it matters, but I still want to be successful, but I still want my fame. Okay, your life matters to you. Why is that? Right. Do you think maybe you possess something that uh, no other people possess? Or do you think maybe that thing that you possess, everybody possesses, and that thing deserves to go on? You seem to care about it a lot. Maybe it deserves to go on. Even, you know what I mean? It's like that, but people are just like, no, I, I want to get mine. And it's like, you're, I think, yeah, I guess I kind of feel like you're missing... Uh, the bigger point. And I don't like, I don't like the young people, people under 25 that are, that have kind of resigned themselves to like, it's all over people under 25 that are like, yeah, the world's going to end though. It's going to be over in a hundred years. We're fucked Mm. in a hundred years, you know? And I'm like, the point of being a society and of being human is like to rebel against that, not to, not to give into that. Uh, and to resign yourself to just like, well, they won, you know, or like, you know, it's all, it's all screwed and, and the people in control won and I can't do anything about it. It's like, who wants to live like that? Yeah, Hang yourself by a fan. It's miserable. (laughs) But you know, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to live in that. I don't want to live with that mindset. I I personally can't live with the mindset of, it's all going to be over in a hundred years or 200 years or it's too late. It's like, nah, it's crazy. Cause when, right when you said the community thing is filled with love, that's when it kind of all clicked for me again, because I was born in Hawaii and raised in Vegas, dude. And like, those are two hospitality cities. You know what I mean? And I don't know, man, maybe moving to LA kind of maybe took me away from that. I always say I've been out here for seven years now. And you know, I had a conversation with someone the other day and it's just like, you hold the door open for someone out here and they're just on their phone. They don't even acknowledge you, man. And it's like no. in Hawaii and Vegas, dude, it's like everyone, maybe it's just because in Vegas, everyone's trying to have a good time, but everyone's, you know, thankful that you're doing the littlest things for them. Yeah. There's a more of a, there's more of a community and like, you'll find that anywhere outside of LA and even in some pockets of LA. I mean, like yeah. the comedy community exactly. is, a, is a community that right. like that people. And I worked in film and that, sure that's a community, but goddamn, man, it's like, we all know fucking movies are fake, and dude, it's filled with fake people, dude. Definitely, really. and Los Angeles is, and and, yeah. and and this is a city where everybody, you know, the, the, everybody seems like they're on their way to the most important things in their life all the time, hmm. which can't be possible. Right, but that's how everybody like that's how everybody so behaves. It's like so true. I'm on my way to the most important thing ever. It's Jack in the Box for right now. You know, it's like it's like what do you what do you mean? Like everybody for real. Like people behave like that, and it's like that. Uh, I think that can definitely get in people's heads and like infect people's heads and make right. people feel like everybody's just out for themselves. I just need to be out for myself. I need to achieve as much as I possibly can so that my kids have a lot of comfy pillows as the world burns around them. Yeah. I, and I'm like, do you see the disconnect? Do you see the problem there? Like, yeah. you want you want this legend for yourself. You want this glory. You want this uh, success and fame and money and riches to enjoy your life, and then just leave it all. Yeah. You don't want anybody else to benefit from it. You just want to have as good of a time as you can with as much stuff as you can while you're here, and that's it. I guess. I guess go for it. But like, I don't know. I I don't, I don't think that enough people living that way definitely screws us. Yes. 
Like yeah. enough, enough people living like that, definitely over. And I think a lot of people are living like that. Mm-hmm. So, what? I'm sorry, what are you going to say? Something? Not going to. Yeah. What are you? Uh, I'm going to cap it here soon. But what? Yeah. Like, what are kind of like the books that you read? To, what What would your suggestion be for me to like? What What book for me to read in terms of getting back to that? Because that's how I was. Like I said before, L.A., where I was like very loving, very community like, and I've just grown very disconnected, dude. Um, Arcadia is a play by play by Tom Stoppard that's really good. It's only like a hundred pages, but it, yeah, it goes back and forth between the like eighteen thirties and nineteen thirties. A lot of good stuff in there. Okay. Um, I would also say just a fun one on a winter's night, a traveler by Italo Cavino. Uh, that'll get you some some loving of art in general, uh, and just like the beauty of like humanity. Welcome to the monkey house by Kurt Vonnegut is a collection of short stories of his. That's like really freaking good. Jesus's son is a collection of short stories by Dennis Johnson that are all kind of about like the dirt of the world and about like the dirt behind people and their actions. Um, Let's see other things that I've read the foundation series. That's actually a great one. Foundation series. Foundation series by Isaac Isaac Asimov uh, because it focuses on a, a human society that has progressed past living on earth. And it's like, you know, they live on other planets, they live in other galaxies. They they've done all this stuff and that, yeah, that tackles a lot of questions about like, do we deserve to go on? What's the value of human life versus robot life versus telepathic life uh, versus, you know what I mean? It's like that, I guess that helped me mm-hmm. because it was like, because there's this mentality of like, you know, earth on life on earth is going to stop and the country's fucked. And so I think I was disillusioned by that. Mm-hmm. And then I think reading those books, maybe like it removes it immediately. Right. Because in these books, humanity has progressed past that. Okay. We're on other planets. The, the, the country doesn't, USA doesn't matter. Earth doesn't matter. We're beyond that now in these books, right? Okay. But we're still a society. There's still human oh, interaction. Sure. That's we're cool. still a community. That's really There's cool. There's still communities in different places. And so I think that helped me because it's like, that makes you feel like, man, there is value to human relationships and to just how we are as people. And our level of consciousness, like again, it's just like our this brand of consciousness, whatever we have here, it's the only one we know about. And I and people like to shrug that off and be like, well, come on, what do you think? There's no other conscious beings. There's got to be conscious beings elsewhere. And it's like, okay, fine, but we don't know that their consciousness is the same as ours. Mm. We don't know that they love like we do. Mm. We don't know that they empathize like we do. We don't know that they have community like we do. All we know is that we have that. And so we should protect those things as best we can and you know i i don't know and not resign ourselves to just be like it's over it's gonna end in a hundred years it's all gonna be over so i might as well just have a a nice house and a nice car and achieve everything i want to achieve right Uh, you know i would love to do that i'd love to achieve all all of my stuff you Mm -hmm. know with that being said follow me pay me money um (laughs) well yeah dude like i said like i said dude fucking i'm gonna cap it here but dude i i really appreciate this conversation man you made me really kind of take a step back and really maybe i need to do a lot more digging than i thought i did i thought i'd done yeah but it's also like you don't need to do too much we're i'm not sure that like I'm not sure that the momentum of the world and the momentum of people can change. 
But think about it. Yeah. I guess is my message. Just yeah. just consider it. Just well, consider the just other this side. Co- just this conversation, dude. You've made me tap into like an old me where I was just like, again, like I said, a lot more loving than I am now. Yeah. You know? and yeah, dude. Like I'm lucky because I've had a girlfriend since I've moved to LA. Same mm-hmm. girlfriend for seven years, man. And it's just like, I don't know actually where I was going with that. But you did make me tap into kind of like almost like the childhood me where I was about community and just wanted everyone to feel loved mm-hmm. you know what i mean as opposed to just oh it's just me and my girl exactly and i think that's a lot of people's mentality is it's me my people and my yeah. stuff and who cares about everything else yeah and it's like hey man there's more to it and we can do more and we can be great right, we can right. be amazing we can right. be we could travel the universe we could spread love throughout the universe i know i'm getting hippy dippy here and it sounds insane but it's like we could do that. America could actually fulfill its promise of yes. treating everybody equally and yes. allowing a place for everybody to like be free and prosper. Right. We could we could do that. And we could explore the world and we could explore, you know, the universe together as a society. That could happen. And it's like or you can just try to get rich off selling monkey picks or whatever the fuck, or like, you know what I mean? Or like whatever you're doing. Yeah, Yeah. NFT is like, or you could just try and rob everybody blind that you Mm -hmm. you meet and suck the soul out of everybody uh, that you meet. And it's like, but I would recommend going the other way. Right. But just think about it, you know? Don't change a damn thing. Just think about it. I love it, Forrest. I love it. Let's t- tell the people where they can find you on the socials. Uh, at Forrest underscore Wheeler on uh, Instagram. Not Forrest Wheeler. That's a small Asian boy on Fresh Off the Boat. That's a small... And I don't like him. I don't like him at all. <laughs> no, I, yeah. It's at Forrest underscore Wheeler on Instagram and uh, at Forrest Ponders on Twitter and TikTok. But like... Fuck those things. Just follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I'll tag. I'll, either way, I'll put them in the description on YouTube. But, bro, I really do appreciate you coming out here, yeah, man. This man. is a really insightful conversation, bro. Not what I was expecting, but I'm glad that we had this conversation. Yeah, really. man. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Absolutely, fun. bro. All right, everyone. Thank you again for lo- listening and watching. Take it easy. Bye.